Welcome to the Cultivate Network Podcast, where we're digging in, digging in on Christian living, leadership, and church planning. Here are your hosts, Jamie Couch and Anthony Waters. All right. So last week we had a really good discussion on defining success as a team. Uh, A few weeks before that, we talked about the creation of the team and getting the core group together. Really enjoyed uh, last week's podcast on success as a team and the way that we define success. If you have not listened to that podcast, please go back and do so because we have to flip what our definition of success is up on its head. And I love how we did that with a church model example. And we use the Bible as a beautiful example of that as well. And I really enjoyed that uh, podcast. But uh, this week we're going to dive into getting more kind of deeper into the forming and storming of church planning. And today we're going to talk about uh, defined decision-making processes and the importance of uh, debriefing to learn from. Uh, you know, when we look at decision-making processes in the church, it's really unique, and, uh, and, and it's important that we hit this at this moment in time in the church planning series because you have your team, you know what success is going to look like, and now it's time for decisions to be made. And there's going to be a lot of decisions that's going to have to be made in a church plant, brother. Don't you agree? Absolutely. A lot of decisions. A couple. Just a couple. And uh, your decision-making process, the way that you do this, whether it's a whatever, whatever you want to look at, if you look it up, you'll go anywhere from a four-step process to a seven, eight, nine. I guess you could find, probably find a 20-step process if you want to. Just keep looking. You'll yeah. get it. Let's just try to keep it simple, though. That's <laughs> Let's right. just try to keep it simple. So... Keys in a decision-making process for for a good church plant, brother. What are we going to look at? If we're going to look at keys for a good decision-making process, and you can define that, how do you feel like, as, if we look at it as simply as we can, we're talking to the church planner getting started today, and we look, they've got their team created, they have defined success by the eyes of God, not the eyes of the world. The Lord is blessed abundantly. Now it's coming some time for decisions. What What are some keys that we need to be thinking about for our decision-making processes. So, Anthony, thinking through that, I think we just, before the podcast, had a discussion on communication in the church and the importance of communication. Yeah. So I think that uh, most conflict among church plant core teams uh, come from decision-making processes or just say church leadership teams. Let's just say leadership teams. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I think the, the last podcast, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. We talked about how do we as a team define success? Okay. It starts there, right? That's your definition of success. And, and so as we, as we look at a decision-making process, there's what, uh, what we use in Advent Health, and, and it's a Christian, Christian healthcare company um, nationwide, and, and it's, a really, it's a biblical model. It's a Jesus model if you, if you actually apply it this way, but we call it the bow tie model of, of decision-making. And if you imagine a picture of a bow tie, on the left side of the bow tie is, is inclusive. It's, it's inclusive uh, at that point. So you're bringing everyone to the table 
and then you have a uh, a decision made based on inclusive input, and then because of that decision is made on inclusive input, you have a shared accountability. So when you don't have inclusive input, you don't have a shared accountability because well, it was their decision. You know, it's it's that point of division where it was their decision, not our decision. So I think that as we come together as a team, we have first the first thing though with inclusive input is to create a safe place, a safe place for transparency and candor. One of my favorite books is called Radical Candor. If you've not read Radical Candor, check it out. It's a great book. Your team needs to be able to communicate disagree things that they, they disagree on or ideas that maybe uh, uh, seem like counter for what the conversation is going but they got to have safe place to do that and you've got to have safe place to be able to counter that and and have a conversation around that so it's shared it's a it's really a shared input model but if you don't have psychological safety around that table where your team can share what they really really feel and what they really, really think in a safe place without being attacked, would well, you, you need to pause. Don't go any further in your church plant journey until you can create that camaraderie and candor among your team. I love how even maybe three or four podcasts back, we did one on communication as a team. And I love how that's coming back around. <laughs> and I, I think it's a I think it's a central importance when we're looking at church planning of communication and candor because everybody's going to have a different idea. I understand that. Please don't get me wrong. There's been, there's been times we've sat at the table and, and I've been flat honest and been like, this is a terrible idea. And you, I mean, we, I mean, let's be honest with each other. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you have to look yeah. at everybody's point of view and you have to, you have to have that safe space for people to, I mean, mm-hmm. how in the world's a team going to function if mm-hmm. you can't express each, each person? I mean, why, why be on the team if I can't even express what I'm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like right now. Right. So it's crazy. So, but, but, but you had, we had safe place, Anthony. We do. That, yeah. that, uh, when we have disagreement or we have uh, a decision to make and we have an, a different <laughs> difference of, of opinions, you're thinking of some right now. I'm thinking right now okay. about how we've rearranged okay. the stage oh, right yes. now. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've been adamant that I didn't like it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, keep breathing. Keep breathing. <laughs> no, no, yeah, but it's a good example, guys. <laughs> it of, is of like okay, when we're in the room and we do this, we do this at the workplace, uh, at the hospital, because we have what well, every Tuesday we have a four hour meeting and we we make decisions mm-hmm. and we we debate among ourselves and we we have back and forth and then we make a decision. Sometimes I get I get what I expected or whatever. Sometimes I don't. But when we walk out that door. It's a it's a unified decision, and we have shared accountability to execute upon that decision. And so I think that uh, you know my dissension in that moment can't trickle down to my directors and my managers and my team members. Yeah. In the case of a church plant leader, my dissension in the moment in that core team in that safe place must stay at that table, and it can't leave the room and go because here's what, I've seen this so many times with church leaders, their dissension goes out of the room and it goes through the church it goes through the family and all of a sudden they've got grandkids that dislike the, this person or this person because of the whispers that happened after that that sacred meeting when you're around the table guys it's sacred place yeah you you, you have to be safe and transparent but when you leave you have to check out 
of that of that safe place and say, okay, now it's now from this point forward, it's shared accountability. We're working forward together. So you know we even see this in scripture: a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Mm. Yeah, or uh, uh, the little foxes that spoil the vines. Mm. I mean, that's that's what dissension does. Mm-hmm. A little leaven introduced will just yeah, it'll just penetrate and saturate mm-hmm. through, and it'll, it'll really cause a lot of hurt. Yeah. And notice how it goes through the whole body. Of the of the church, oh, yeah. it goes through the whole body. Mm-hmm. It this thing, it ain't just one person. They infect, and it's it's kind of like a virus. Everybody gets sick because of it. Yeah, over and, it. And then you got division. Yeah, and then what well, house divided cannot stand. No, it cannot. You know, and, and I'm thinking as you're talking through that, Anthony, I'm thinking about uh, Paul and, and and John Mark, the first missionary journey. How, how John Mark kind of, <laughs> you know, who knows exactly what happened? There's tons yeah. of theories, but yeah. the short story is John Mark bailed on him halfway through. He sent him home. And uh, the second journey started, and John Mark's like, "Okay, let's go." And, John, and Paul is like, "You're not going." And and it was a disagreement. And and so you have Paul, John Mark, and then you have Barnabas around the table. Right? I don't know if they really had a table, but this is the conversation, right? Yeah. It was a conversation, and they had transparency and candor. Mm-hmm. Paul was like, "Dude, you bailed last time. You're not ready for this journey. It's not ready." And then Barnabas said, "You know what, Paul? Why don't you let me take him?" And then, and then, you know, and then that's when, whoops, my mic fell. <laughs> it's days like this. I wish we had it on video. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> would that would have been great. So, <laughs> so Paul, Paul ended up going one direction with, with Silas and then Barnabas and, and uh, John Mark went another direction. And if they hadn't had shared accountability, right? You would have had the first church of the Pauline missionaries, <laughs> and then you would have had the second yeah, church I mean, of the John Mark John Mark I mean, yeah. ba- Babdecostal missionaries yeah. on this side, and you would have had division. But what happened years later, Paul called on John Mark and said, hey, come join. You're profitable for the ministry. I've seen your growth in the ministry. And they still, even though they had a very strikingly hot deb- debate, um, disagreement, they still had each other's back. Right, and so it was the same mission, and uh, and that wasn't divided because of it. I want you to dive just a little bit deeper on this, and I'm putting you on the spot. But this, <sighs> but this decision making process model, what does what should what should that look like for us? You know, as planters, and you know, we're just getting started. We have our team and stuff. But what does that, what does that actually look like? The decision making processes. So obviously, we know communication is going to be key, and our team's going to be key. And the centermost point of every decision that we make has to be centered around around Christ and what is what's best for the kingdom. Obviously, but what does that really look like to us if we truly look at this decision making process? What does that truly look like to us, buddy? Well, I think the first thing you do is you got to create clarity. You know, what what is the decision? I've been in so many meetings where you're trying to make a decision and you don't really know what decision. Well, and then, what are we even deciding on? Exactly. Here? I think that's I think that's a good point to bring out. You know, and I guess at what point do you have to bring things to a team table and say, "Hey, we need to make decisions on this, 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 and this." Cuz there's going to be some things that are just going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. But at what point do we actually bring people to the table and say, we need to make a decision? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about in the context of where I work on my, you know, yeah, that's cool. at, at the hospital, because yeah. maybe that'll help translate this. Sure. If I'm making a decision that's going to impact um, uh, a, a monetary decision over $2,500, then it's got to be a collective decision. 
Yeah. That's just a very tangible example at work, right? If I'm making a decision that is going to impact organizational structure or a decision that is involving a certain amount of risk, a financial risk for the company, a contract, for example, that we're signing, that we're signing up for, then then, then obviously it, 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 it constitutes a gathered decision-making process. In the church planting setting, for example, if, if I'm making a decision on what songs to sing, if you don't trust your worship leader to determine what songs to sing, then you're probably to reevaluate your whole plan, right? So you're not going to have a decision-making process where you have your core group team sit around a table and say, okay, what songs are we singing? So, that's not it, right? I'm sorry. I mean, we know this However, happens, though. But I mean, this it, is the happen. con- yeah. it happens. Sure. It, there's micromanagement that goes on by core teams, and it will destroy you. You can't, But you have to determine, right, if it's going to be a financial risk for your team, if it's something that we're starting a new ministry, right, or if it's something that, that we're going to involve a new leader, right, that's somebody new to the core team or somebody new, we're going to make a decision on who's going to lead this certain ministry. Well, that better be a, a collective team effort moving forward. Uh, if, if you're if you're doing that, if you're if you're if a while back, we were talking about moving buildings and changing locations. Well, obviously, I'm not going to go do that on my own and you're not going to do that on your own. No. We're going to come together as a group and a team and make those kinds of decisions. So so that that's where you're identifying the decision. And and uh, and, you know, otherwise, you're, you're going to have dissension and division if you don't c- come together around that. Yeah, I love it. So that kind of takes us to the next step in the forming and storming part of this podcast is the importance of debrief to learn from. And uh, in my position, we do everything that we do. If we do any big projects or we have any big decisions that are made, we always come back after the fact and we sit together at a table. It may be emailed back and forth, but we always have what we call an after action review. Mm -hmm. After this has happened, we sit down and we talk about it. What did we do good? What did we do bad? What could we have done better? Where were our pitfalls? Where did we fail? Where did we succeed? And we identify all these steps and we lay it back out. And I like how I like how you do this because you're kind of closing the loop. Mm-hmm. You're bring, you're coming full circle with it and you're bringing it back around. So we've we've got together as our team. We've had an issue that was up that we brought before the team to make a decision that was based on a set clarity. This is it. Everybody's got freedom in here for free communication. We don't want nobody divided. And just because you have a team that comes together, that ain't going to mean everybody's going to agree. No, no, no. It, and it, I think that's important before it, we it moved on. To it definitely is. I think I think we have to get that, Anthony. Yeah. And, and can we pause a second? Ah, uh, yeah, uh, please. On, because I want uh, it, it. Just hit me on something else to unpack yeah. before we transition Do to it. debrief. Uh, am, I, am I rewinding you too much? I'm no. Sorry. Okay. No. We're having shared accountability. No, we'll right we'll discuss this later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it. We'll debrief about it we'll later. We'll debrief later. No, I I think that the, another another piece of of the decision making process is when when I come when I come to my leadership team, be at the hospital uh, or be it at you know with our church plant, I want to be able to not only articulate with the decision I'm I'm seeking. But I want to articulate the information that I've gathered uh, for making that decision. If I'm going to start a new program at the hospital or a new ministry at the church, I need to have the information gathered and the research to help support that. I also need to be able to, with a team, identify alternatives. Because many, many times what you articulate in your mind 
it's not going to work necessarily the way you thought or you dreamed it up. But if you get the shared input, the inclusive, why does it need to be inclusive? Because one man can't figure it out. That's why you got a team. They got gifts and skills and perspectives you don't have. They need to get the input there. So then, then you identify maybe that initial proposal won't work. But if you tweak it, if you make these adjustments, then you have two or three alternatives. Now, there's a uh, there's a there's a trick in the business world that when you come now, this I'm not suggesting you do this necessarily, but it does cause you to go to a, through a process of, of of shooting holes in your in your own proposal first. So the first thing is is try to exercise empathy when you're bringing something to the team. To, for a decision to be made, exercise empathy, put yourself in that person's shoes, that person's perspective or that team's perspective and go ahead and think through it like they would think through it, shoot holes in it, ask questions to yourself that you anticipate that would be asked by them. Answer those questions, have a conversation with yourself like that, be it on paper. The next thing is, is if I'm bringing, if I'm bringing a solution, I need to also um, build um, what I call the burning bridge, the burning platform. Why do we need to make this decision? Why am I even bringing this decision forward? Why is this important? What happens if we don't make this decision? Okay, so it's it's a it's a burning platform of the what's the chief why? Oh, because we don't have change for the sake of change. Now I know people that do that, and it's terrible. It, it, we don't just change just because. Yeah, this is change. You know, there's there's got to be a burning platform that brings that change along, um, and and then when you create the burning platform. Then you then you bring your proposal, but then you then you put enough thought into it to not be married. D- guys, don't marry your proposal, right? Don't do that because when you do that, you're going to have to divorce it later. When when then you're going to have to split the difference, you know, with that with whatever you settle with, right? So don't marry it because you're going to have to divorce it at some point potentially. But the next thing is come and bring other alternatives. Right. So and usually when I'm bringing a proposal together, I will pitch three alternatives, the one I really want and then one that's a little more aggressive and one that's a little more conservative. And that way, when the team comes together, they feel like they already have alternatives on the table and they're less likely to come up with other alternatives and they're going to shoot holes through the ones and just the human nature. They're going to gravitate towards the middle. That's that's what's going to happen most of the time. And and that's a little trick in the business world. I'm not suggesting you do that, but I am suggesting <laughs> I am suggesting that what you do is you you shoot holes in your own stuff before it gets to the table and evaluate it. Have the evidence, have the burning bridge, uh, and then and then um have have all that together and ready for your team. Good stuff. Now let's talk about reviewing it <laughs> so you've you have collectively came to a decision as a team you've moved forward on the decision now it's time to take a step back after whatever that whatever that decision was was implemented and now you sit back and you look and say what went right what went wrong what could we have done better and you know, i think that this is something that we have been good at and and when i say this i mean if you have an outreach program uh, for example, let's say that you go to the park and you have a service at the park. You feed the people at the park. Uh, the church comes together, sings, worships, brings forth the gospel of Christ. And after it's over, the core team come together and say, how did we do? What could we have done better? Where did we mess up? Now, a lot of people will think that's kind of odd, but I mean, this is how a team grows. 
And this is, I think this, I think that when you do this, this includes everybody and everybody feels like they have a voice. And this is what sets the platform to move even forward right. with more decisions because you're building trust with it the reinforces team. it. You really are. And it's amazing the viewpoints because mm-hmm. if you truly have a working team, there's going to be so many people involved in so many different aspects of whatever that outreach was, not just ministry or singing, but if you're feeding food, if you're dealing with children, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. everybody had a role and they're going to be able to give you a viewpoint that what you didn't see firsthand and maybe when you saw something going on, you could ask them, you know, what was going on with this? What was going on with that? And, you know, and you're going to bring you're going to bring together such a collective great amount of knowledge that comes from these events. And then we can sit down and I encourage you. It's something a lot of people don't like to do. It. I like to see it put up on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. I love to see it yeah. either on a flip chart or whatever and say this was our successes. Mm-hmm. This is where we lacked. And don't opportunities. Be, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And don't be afraid. Everybody wants to. I mean, we've done this a lot. We've don't had be our, a yes man. Yeah, we've had our success board and it be covered up, and our failure board. Everybody's like, "Well, I don't. I don't think we failed. I don't. I don't see any mistakes because nobody wants to hurt anybody else's feelings. Yeah. But yeah. it ain't about feelings. Yeah, I mean, it's about making us better. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a good idea. No, I think it's a it and and that's something that if you if you go and you uh, do research, for example, on the Blue Angels, which is the most elite flying force in the in the universe, right? I mean, these guys are elite. <laughs> these guys are the real top guns. Yep, they are. They're the true real top. If you watch the movie Top Gun, these guys are the real top guns. They have a very rigid debrief process where they debrief even the smallest mission or flight mm-hmm. and uh, and they're articulate in the way they do that in the military you work you work in you know for the military not in armed forces you you work you work in the uh, civilian civilian side, side. Yeah. however you guys have debrief Absolutely. In, in healthcare after each surgery after each uh, uh business launch after each you know literally after each shift there is a debrief yep. that happens, mm-hmm. and you have to you have to be able to dissect what went well, what didn't go well, what opportunities, and 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 what oftentimes that I've learned that that helps us articulate that is we don't define it as necessarily failure. We define it as opportunity to grow and to improve, yep. and that and that's continuous improvement, right? So we have continual improvement, hmm. but we also have an opportunity to to get like you said, get the advantage point of the people because you got blind sides as a leader. No matter how smart you think you are, and I think I am, we have blind sides, yep. and that's why we have a team yep. to come together and, and i'm thinking i'm thinking through so many times we've we've debriefed as a team anthony around our outreach events or our christmas events or yep. whatever that may be and then we say okay or even at the end of the year yeah what went well this year was opportunities mm-hmm. this year what do we think was going to go well that maybe we we didn't go as well as we thought and then we put it all on paper yeah and then we look at it and we we say okay what can we learn from it i tell you one i go back when we talk talk about this debrief there was and and i don't i encourage every leader to do this as well sometimes it's good not to only have the core team that's debriefing Mm -hmm. but every member of the entire team that was there that was part of it Mm -hmm. have a voice in the whole thing and we've done this at church and that was we got some really good feedback from that and it Mm -hmm. didn't get out of control i know that's always i know that's always a fear of everybody is like oh no if i if i include all these people in, it's just going to be chaos well control the chaos absolutely (laughs) control the chaos but you can glean so much Mm -hmm. 
You can gain so much mm-hmm. from a totally different perspective than a team, a, a true team member, I yep. guess. And I mean, I don't like that term in that aspect because I mean, we're all on a team. Sure, don't get sure. me wrong, but, but I'm talking about the whole body. If they were involved in serving, absolutely. And if their hands are involved, then they're absolutely. Then their mouth needs to be involved. Too. Absolutely, right. That's yep. that's that's the whole thing. Yep. Uh, we, sometimes we want people's hands and feet, but we don't want their minds. Oh yeah. And I challenge that. I, I do challenge too. that because because they're they are they're they're God's they're God's servant, God's child, mm-hmm. and they're a part of your team. That's right. And and so including them is going to make them feel even more involved and even more yeah. included. And, and that's it, what you should be doing it anyway. Will amaze you yeah. when you listen to the things they come up with. Yep. But here's what you got to do: you got to check your ego at the door. Oh boy. You know, whether it be the decision making process or the debrief process, you as a leader. And guess what, guys? Newsflash, we all have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know many people say, I don't have an ego, but well, I promise you that you have an ego. <laughs> uh, you have a flesh that you have to deal with, yep. and you got to check your flesh at the door. Absolutely. And, and, and it's a safe place, right? And then you also set the ground rules. And, and then I want to kind of I wanna cascade this statement over the debrief and over the decision-making process is when you check in as, as a leadership team, there's there's ground rules. Hey guys, we're gonna leave it at the table. Guys, when we debrief, it ain't nothing personal. We're not gonna we're not gonna take our opportunities to go in here and blast them on Facebook hmm. and say we did this or that. This is a safe place. You in the back of the room, the one that's quiet that don't say much, we want to hear from you. Yeah. And as a facilitator, I challenge you to not just because I promise you there's going to be two or three voices in the room that are going to be the loudest, most boisterous voices, and they will overtake. And then your quiet one, your introverted one, your CS on the disc profile is going to sit over there in the corner and just shake his or her head and say, yeah, that was great. That was great. That was great. What are you really, really thinking, Tom or Susie or whoever you're, you know, but as a facilitator, you have to control that, 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 that pace and cadence of that debrief meeting or that planning meeting and you have to call that person by name hey johnny what do you think you know call out your quiet one make them a little uncomfortable they're on the team Mm -hmm. you know and then and don't don't just let one or two voices dominate and then make it clear guys as the as the leader or the two or three core leaders right uh, maybe five whatever that is make it clear to your peripheral leaders the ones that are, are are your serve team here's what we want we want transparency. Yeah. This is a safe place for you. You can say, we're not going to get our feelings hurt here. This is all, we're all in this together. One mission going forward. Yep. I think that's, I think that's some really good advice. And, and you know, and, and for my closing statements on this today, then I'll turn it over to you to close this out, buddy. But, uh, wow, you just broke your mic. Broke my mic. <laughs> wow. But, uh, man, I love how this has come full circle today. And I know I've said that before, but I love how communication is brought back out. Communication is going to be key in your decision-making process, making sure you have the right players at the table, making sure that you guys are staying focused on the goal that we have, that you have established uh, from the get-go with the team and seeing how God's going to be able to take this and how he's going to grow and how he's going to move the church forward. And then in your debrief process to be sure that you are focusing on God and letting your eyes stay focused on God during the whole process. Sit down and don't be afraid to have those hard conversations with each other. Check your ego at the door. I agree with Jamie a thousand percent on that because every single one of us have it. You're not going to right. agree on yep. that. A team will not a hundred percent agree a lot of the 
time, you could probably say 90% of the time, if not greater, sure. somebody's going to have a different opinion and you've got to be open to that. But I mean, that's, what's going to make you all stronger. It's how the church is going to grow and how it's going to prosper and how it's going to move forward because you're going to be able to come together for the glory of God. And in the debrief session, I'll, I'll kind of summarize this to Anthony in the debrief session. Remember when you made the decision, what, what success looked like in that decision-making process and bring it back up in the, in the debrief process to say, okay, guys, we decided that this is what success was going to look like here. For example, if you do a park ministry or an outreach ministry and you're, you, you define success as sowing seed and having conversations uh, in the park, and then you do that, but nobody comes to Christ or nobody is converted or whatever that may be. And then you get to the debrief and say, well, nobody got saved. Well, that's not what we decided success was going to look like success. Obviously we want the people to be saved, but we define success is that's God's responsibility for the outcome. It's ours to sow seed. So sometimes we're going to have to bring full circle back to the debrief process. What we decided success would actually look like. And so guys, um, you know, just the, the high level for me is creating trust and transparency among your team, candor and, and creating clarity for what what success does does look like, but then also uh, ensuring that you're hearing all the voices in the room and not just a couple voices in the room, and then checking your ego at the door and not getting your villains hurt, and then keeping everything safe, safe to speak up and safe to know that it's not going to be posted on social media after the meeting, and somebody's grandchild isn't going to be hurt and offended because uh, somebody disagreed with grandpa or grandma in this meeting. And so you have to get this all together, confidentiality, clarity, candor. We're, wait, we're, we're doing some alliteration here, but it's so true. All of those things are real. And so, guys, as you're making decisions, never make a decision without a debrief. Somebody said, well, I've had 40 years' experience. Well, have you had 40 years experience or have you lived the same year 40 times? So the thing is, is experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. Experience with evaluation without evaluation is not experience at all. So let's evaluate the experience before you move forward. I love you. Thank you guys for tuning in until next time. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Cultivate Network podcast. Until next time, keep cultivating.